Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup, research published between the 27th of November and the 4th of December 2023. I'm Katrina Pears, the research correspondent for the EMI Association. There have been five new MBCFS studies and 21 new long COVID studies this week. We have highlighted one of the MBCFS studies in more detail. Paper 4 this week is a preprint, meaning the science has not been peer-reviewed and verified, which looks into the relationship between immunological characteristics and intestinal barrier function in MECFS patients. This study recruited 39 MECFS patients and 19 healthy controls. The MECFS patients were then immunologically stratified during diagnostic evaluations based on their immune competence. This divided MECFS patients into two groups without immunodeficiencies, negative ID with 19 patients, and with immunodeficiencies, positive ID with 20 patients. After documentation of detailed medical records, serum and plasma samples were collected for assessment of inflammatory immune mediators and biomarkers for intestinal barrier integrity by ELISA, which is enzyme-linked absorbent assays which is a type of laboratory technique. Some of the notable differences in this study. For the pro-inflammatory immune mediators measured, there was a decrease in plasma C4 concentrations for positive ID MECFS patients compared to negative ID MECFS patients in healthy controls, reduction in serum IL-1 beta levels in negative ID MECFS patients compared to healthy controls, Increase in serum IL-33 in negative ID MECFS patients compared to healthy controls, but slightly increase when compared to positive ID MECFS patients. Serum IL-6 levels were significantly elevated in negative ID MECFS patients compared to healthy controls. TNF-alpha, IL-8 and FGF-21 serum did not differ between the three groups. For the immune markers related to enhanced mass cell activity and an eosinophil activation, results for this showed that EPC was not different between the groups and EDN was more elevated in the positive ID MECFS group and the negative ID MECF group, but this was not significantly different to the controls. For the biomarkers measured associated with mucosal and intestinal barrier integrity, Serum LBP, which is lipopolysaccharide binding protein, was significantly increased in negative ID MECFS patients compared to healthy controls. IFABP levels were slightly reduced in negative ID MECFS patients compared to healthy controls. Soluble CD14 serum levels, which is a cofactor together with LBP to mediate innate immunity against LPS to the immune system, did not differ between groups. Endotoxin core IgG antibodies were highest in the positive ID MECFS patients, while negative ID MECF patients and healthy controls had similar levels. The authors summarised these key findings as for immune deficient patients that's ID positive, they had reduced competent protein C4A levels, which suggested a subgroup specific innate immune dysregulation. But for the patients without immune deficiency, that's ID negative, they exhibited a mucosal barrier leakage, 
as indicated by the elevated levels of lipopolysaccharide binding protein, LBP. The study showed that stratifying MECFS patients based on immune competence enabled distinction of the two groups with different pathophysiological patterns. A huge focus of this paper is the important patient immunological stratification, but this is also where we question the methodology of the paper. There is very little given on how the immunodeficiency was defined in this paper. The only information given states that immunodeficiency was classed on a set of immunological parameters where MBL 55%, IgG or IgG subclass 35%, allow leukocyte composition 25% and competent factors 10%. All these parameters are associated with higher risk of infection. However, we do not know how the levels relate to these parameters, i.e. if higher or lower levels of the values given gives ID positive or ID negative. Furthermore, no source is cited of where these parameters come from or have been used before, and we have not come across this in another study. A few other things to note about this study. MECFS was diagnosed based on the Institute of Medicine criteria. All patients were mild to moderately affected, apart from one patient in the ID negative group. As such, a large part of the discussion in the paper focuses on the gut and mucosal barrier leakage is a shame that the researchers did not look into gut, microbacteria or relate symptoms to the levels. Some of the findings that are noted as being statistically significant between the three groups look disappointing in the figures displayed so question the true meaning of the results. This is definitely an interesting study with a range of analysis being used which investigates mucosal intestinal barrier in MECFS and immunodeficiency showing the distinct pathophysiological mechanisms between the two groups. These findings could have implications for diagnosing MECFS and targeted treatment, although I would like a stronger background presented on the immunological stratification used. You may also be interested in reading this week in the long COVID reference section, paper 1, which suggests biomarkers could be used to diagnose long COVID and you can find more of this coverage on this paper on our website. Paper 4, which is a longitudinal study showing that severity and symptoms change over time, there's also easy to understand news coverage on this article. And Paper 6, which is on the prevalence of long COVID in Scotland. Thank you for listening to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup. I shall be back next week with the next instalment.